The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold, getting ready for week 18, the grudge match. Saints 8-8, eight and eight, Falcons 7-9, and nine, just as everyone predicted all season long and no that's not what happened in reality these two fan bases are just spending every week getting madder and madder at the head coach (laughs) at the quarterback at whatever and so we're going to get into it the falcons have a different quarterback this time at least i assume they will uh than the last time the saints faced them we're going to get into that with scott kennedy falcons podcaster but he gets into just about everything so make sure to go check out his youtube channel it's youtube.com backslash scott kennedy a lot of great senior bowl content on there which means half the saints roster is probably on there somewhere but let's get into it you know this this is a falcon squad and i think if if you lost track of the falcons after that week 12 game you would have assumed it's like oh man these guys are in control of the division they look like they're heading the right track and the saints are going straight down into the muck while you look back and it's like wow they lost to the Panthers they lost to the Bears what happened you know what's what's going on with this team because it's uh, you know it's funny because you look at it seven and nine they still have a chance to win the division but you know uh, uh, anytime you're looking at it and saying we can win the division with a losing record yay it's kind of tough right well it feels like very similar to the first time these two teams played where everybody's kind of going okay both of these teams are underachieving Neither team's really going to be happy coming out of this with a win. How long is that going to last? It's like, okay, you win. Yeah, but we still suck. <laughs> and, and basically what, what kind of happens is the road happens to this team. You know, they've been pretty good at home. Uh, but then you, you take them on the road and they're two and six. And it's not even a good two and six, like where you can start seeing, you know, if yeah. there's a good two and six, where you can start saying, okay, I see the progress in this team. I mean, like you said, you're talking about losing to the Panthers. Your two wins, you won um, the Jets and the Buccaneers. Well, who doesn't win in Tampa in the division? I mean, come on, that's easy to do, right? No, I'm just teasing. But the Jets game was a travesty of a of a game in the in the bad weather up there. I think that one was nine to six. Uh, set offensive football back ten years, <laughs> and it, it's just this team has absolutely zero consistency. So I would say some of the consistency would be they're okay at home. They're, I'm going to say relegation fodder for, you know, for soccer fans out there, but they're, they're, I'm a number one pick overall type of play on the road, including they, I mean, if you watch that Panthers game, you'd be like, this is a three and 14 team. And you look at what, 
But what Arthur Smith has done uh, with this squad, what is the feeling, I guess, from fans and just overall on his status going forward? And even uh, just curious about GM Terry Fontenot, since he's got a lot of New Orleans ties. Right. I think from a fan's point of view, you can't get two people to agree on anything. I think it's almost unanimous they, with, with Falcons fans. They want Arthur Smith gone. You know, and I was willing to preach patience, patience the last two years with the dead cap number, the way the, the roster was built. And I think he actually did a pretty good job getting seven wins in each of the last two seasons with a threadbare roster and $90 million in dead cap money. So you go into this season and you ask, can he do more than just get a scrappy bunch of one-year contract guys that have been cast off from the Titans and Bears to go and play competitive football and win seven games? Spend $100 million on the defensive side of the ball. You've got a lot of talent on offense. And the answer to that this year was no. No, you can't. You're staring in the face of a third consecutive 7-10 and season. Uh, And there's lots of reasons we can get into for that from a personnel standpoint, too. Yeah, and you know the the personnel is kind of interesting, but I, I guess we could start with the quarterback. You know, I, I, Taylor Heineke. It's been just a revolving door between Desmond Ritter and and Taylor Heineke. It kind of feels like that Simpsons gift where he walks in, hangs up his coat, turns back around, walks back out, right? And and, and so you know, Desmond Ritter. First first question is the is the Desmond Ritter experience done? Is you know obviously year two. It's not a good sign when you get benched twice in the same season for the same guy who no one is looking at and saying, well, that's the future, right? It's not like he's a he's a, a rookie you drafted where it's like, okay, he's going to develop. This is a guy who you know who he is. He's he's Gardner Minshew light, right? And you, you, But you, you've been going back to him. And so what what should the Saints expect in Taylor Heineke? And, and, and kind of where are they in this kind of QB carousel? If it was like it was last week, then if you put any kind of pressure on him, then you can expect nothing on the road. He was... Awful against the Bears last week. Just just dreadful. When he played earlier, he moved the ball up and down the field fairly well. And, and that's kind of what you expect. I've watched Taylor Heineke come into Atlanta, beat the beat the Falcons as a gunslinger mentality. You know, when he was with the 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 Washington football team, commanders, Redskins, whoever you want to call him at the time. You know, you think of him as okay, maybe he's a little loosey-goosey with the ball a little bit, but he's gonna take some shots and move, and then it might have. I don't remember which game it was, but he had like an average depth of target at one point of like 0.7 yards on <laughs> on 20. It's like, dude, now is this Taylor Heineke? Because he's not as bad as Arthur Smith has made him look. And Arthur Smith is not as bad as Ritter and Heineke have made him look. So it was a combination of all of them has just been some awful offensive football. This team was... 15th in scoring last year. You know, that surprises a lot of people. You think 15th, really? Yeah, they they actually were. Well, now you've got three top 10 skill players uh, picked, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. You've got arguably the best offensive lineman in football in Chris Lindstrom. I mean, that's going to sound crazy to people that don't know the Falcons, which is pretty much everybody. But Chris (laughs) Lindstrom has been really, really good. You've got a first-round, second-year contract guy at right tackle. You got PFF top five center at center, uh, top five guy at center. Left guard, you spent a second round pick at left guard. Jake Matthews is Mr. Steady. And I got worse. I I put a a running back, a win now type of move with number eight, and they've gotten worse and not just by a little bit, a lot worse. Man, if there was an offensive coordinator on this team who wasn't the head coach, he'd be calling for his head. There There wouldn't be any question about it. This guy would be fired. So it's 
Sometimes if some Falcons fans, well, if he gets his quarterback, I hear that too much because he has personnel control on this team too. Arthur Smith right. does. Him and Terry Fontenot work together. They had a chance to get their quarterback. They decided not to. They went with a tight end at number four. They've had chance. They've had three years, and you decide to go in with Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. That's on you. That is not an excuse. Obviously, the last meeting uh, against these two teams, man, the Atlanta Falcons sure looked like they were world beaters in the run game. Uh, just up and down the Saints, no matter who was in. Even um, Desmond Ritter, I think, had 30-some-odd yards on the day. It was like 228 total rushing. Uh, I'm I'm guessing the plan coming into this matchup will try to be to run up and down the Saints again. You'd think. <laughs> you'd think, but that never, you know, come out with against against the Bears and, and run a free a flea flicker, you know? And it's so predictable. It's and that's the problem because you've got Bijan Robinson, who is a talent, and he's gonna finish with close to fifteen hundred yards from scrimmage. So you can't say he's been there's that narrative out there that he's been misused. Well, he's he's got he's done pretty well. Uh, Tyler Algier is a beast. You've seen him a few times now, and he's yeah. just – he's an animal. And Cordero Patterson, you don't want to see him when your legs are tired. Problem is it has been so predictable. Okay, Bijan's on the game. They're running outside. Here comes Tyler. They're running inside. Here comes Cordell. They're running inside again. Bijan Robbins is out in a pass route. Well, they're going to throw it to him because they don't throw the ball downfield. So it's been super predictable to try and watch this. And if you commit numbers to stop the running game – they haven't been able to beat you with passing the ball at all. So stop this team for running. And again, the identity of this team is what you saw against the Saints. That's what it's supposed to be. Did you know that the Falcons, if you look at the DVOA and those type of efficiency numbers, have the 28th rated rushing attack in the NFL? And this is your bread and butter, Arthur Smith? Man. <laughs> Dude, you're gone. You're, you got to be gone. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I talk about the Giants a lot because I just know the Giants in terms of, you know, what and, and I, I just feel like this this Falcons team is kind of in that arc. You know, you don't get the luxury of saying, Well, we're building when you're taking a running back in the top ten. No. You don't do that unless you feel like you are gonna win because running back careers, we've seen it. We've we've seen this whole narrative of teams don't want to pay running backs once they get past the age of 26, 27. And so you're spending, you know, you only get so many years. And Saquon Barkley, he's on the fringe of being out of his prime, and the Giants were never competitive. And that's why the pick didn't make sense then. That's why the pick doesn't make sense now. And I, I feel like, you know, if, as you look at the Falcons from like a broader view, I think that has to be one of the bigger frustrations is like when you are when you operate as a team that expects to win now, and the Saints are in a similar boat, I just think they haven't they haven't made that running back pick that you know yeah, people would probably prefer that they were a little more aggressive in terms of how they go after skill position players but that's another conversation entirely but I just feel like that has to be very frustrating when it's like you keep you know your top 10 tight end right like I think wide receiver you can get on board with a little bit more because you know it's you need wide receivers in this league but then you you look around the NFL and it seems like all the first round tight ends are playing for teams that didn't draft them, right? Uh, and, and so how has that kind of gone? Because I think more than anything else, that has to be, you know, and that shortens the leash of any head coach is you, you don't see the plan of like, yeah, we're, we're building this, we're building this. It's like, we're trying to win and you're failing. Well, like you said, it's a win now move. You know, it drove me crazy in 2021 when the Falcons drafted Kyle Pitts and the national media starts saying it's a win now move. Rudolph, joking? Not Rudolph, uh, unicorn. Unicorn is the word. You got a 36-year-old quarterback behind a non-existent offensive line and a defense that can't stop anything. 
And it's a win now move. Are you joking? Instead, it's played out exactly like I've talked about. You're going into year four of his of his uh, rookie deal, and you're not any farther ahead, and you don't know who the hell your quarterback is. That's a wasted pick. It, it's absolutely a wasted pick, and, and Kyle Pitts is starting to catch some flack for it. But you go back to Bijan. Yeah, that's a win now move, and it made it worse because you know who went right after that? University of Georgia defensive tackle phenom Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. There's more Georgia fans in this state of Georgia <laughs> than there are Atlanta Falcons fans. And Georgia fans are pissed. And there's yeah. some crossover there. And if you are a Georgia fan and an Atlanta Falcons fan, you're ready to do away with the whole administration right there. We're like, okay, we're going to be uh, we're gonna be Philadelphia Eagles fans. Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Looking at the defensive side of the Falcons, I think that's been one of their brighter spots this year. How would you rate uh, defensive coordinator uh, Ryan Nielsen year one? I know they've been they'd like more takeaways, obviously, on the year. But overall, they've been holding defenses, uh, offenses pretty well. Uh, We kind of passed over when you got me talking about uh, Arthur Smith and the draft and and you asked about Terry Fontenot. I didn't say a whole lot there. Uh, So this is a good chance to bring that back. Terry Fontenot gets more of a pass because for other than the quarterback position, they've done pretty well in team building. If you look at, is this team, if I'm the general manager, is this team better off after three years than they were when you took over? The answer is by far, yes. The roster's in good shape. The problem is the results on the field. Okay, well, that goes into, that's why your coach is going to be in trouble. A couple former Saints, when you talk about Ryan Nielsen, has done a very good job. And if if they could do away with Arthur Smith, I expect him to actually get a head coaching interview with the Falcons. I was ready to leave Arthur Smith in Arizona when they lost to the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray's first start in over a year and make Ryan Nielsen the interim head coach just to see what happens. And if he goes on a run, help give him the job. But they hit on their free agents. They spent a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball. David Onyemata, former Saint, has been good. Caden Ellis, who they haven't, they really didn't let him do what they got him for, which is a pressure of the passer because they lost their other inside linebacker within the first two, three weeks of the season. And Caden Ellis had to play more, you know, more traditional linebacker as opposed to, you know, edge and, and coming off as a pass rusher. But he's been really good. He's starting to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, sideline to sideline. Jesse Bates made his first pro ball, big money, another big money guy. And he has a pretty good chance to go first team all pro this year. He's got some of those highlight plays to go with it that you need the big money contract, the stats and the, and the, the splash plays that you need. If you're playing for a team like the Falcons to make all pro uh, Calais Campbell has been very good. Another guy who they brought in, Bud Dupree has done a job for cheap. So the hmm. defense has been really good. They just, they really are still missing that number one pass rusher. They're, they're missing that guy to come in and, and put pressure on it. And that said, they've still almost doubled their sacks from last year. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you kind of alluded to this and that, what, when you look at the Falcons season, it's, you know, the funny thing is the Saints season is very distinct in that they've lost to the good teams, but they've beaten the bad teams. They have beaten the non-playoff teams. You look at the Falcons and they have losses to the commanders, the Titans, the Cardinals, the Panthers, the, 
the Bears even they're already eliminated. Like they're, a bulk of their losses have come to teams that weren't really in contention for the postseason. And I, I'm sure that had to be as frustrating as anything. But I guess so my question is, when things have gone right, how have they won games? And when things have gone wrong, how have they lost games? And what team do you expect to see on Sunday at the Superdome? It's pretty easy. And again, look at those games. Other than the Commanders, all those other games were on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they've gone right, they've run the ball and won the turnover battle. When they've gone wrong, guess what? It's been the other way around. They couldn't run the ball and they've lost a turnover battle. So a lot of those early ones, why isn't Desmond Ritter in there? Desmond Ritter has been a turnover machine. Mm. So he gets a four-game sample size last year and he goes two and two, didn't turn the ball over once. Like, okay, that's really all this team needs is just don't screw it up. The schedule, you know, because your schedule is just as bad. The schedule is atrocious. This might be the easiest Falcons schedule in the history of the Falcons scheduling. And I don't say that <laughs> to be hyperbolic with hyperbole. It's true. Yeah, we've heard, heard that the, we, thing with the Bobby Saints. Bobby right. Bobby Abair has said that same sentence at least two dozen times. This I mean, year. you look, it's like, okay, we're going to play this team. And, and I think their first four games, the, com- the, the starters had a combined, like it was Jared Goff. Then the other three guys had one start among them. Yep. You know, it might have been two because I think the commanders were in there too. Was it was our fourth game? So it may have been one start. It was Bryce Young to start. Then it was uh, Jordan Love, which to be fair, those were both at home and they won those two games. But then the commanders and Sam Howell, and it's just, but they go on the road and they start turning the ball over and they they can't run the ball. So if that happens, and who do I expect to see? I expect to see the road team that I've seen from the Atlanta Falcons. And if the New Orleans Saints show up with any kind of passion at all, they should be able to handle this team. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Saints have played pretty good defense most of the year. The Falcons ran through them that day. The Falcons, when they're on, are capable of run throughing anybody. That's what's so frustrating. I have a feeling Saints fans felt that way watching that game against the Buccaneers last week. They're like, yes. This is what we want to see. And to me, you know, where'd that pass rush come from? I mean, y'all were all y'all were in the backfield the whole game against against Baker Mayfield. And it seems like that's been missing a lot of the season. Correct. <laughs> that assessment, that assessment is correct. Uh, Steve, you have anything else? Uh, no, just um, you, you mentioned as like I'm wondering what to expect from this Falcon squad. Obviously, like you said, going into this matchup, I know the fan base do we, do we expect a lot to be traveling to New Orleans for this game? I don't really think so. They don't even show up in the in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium over there. No, the uh, the I can get into that, too. And, you know, when you go PSLs in Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta sports fan will not be gouged. And you look, you the Arthur Blank, when Arthur Blank first came in, he made all the cheap seats cheap. Yeah. And they've been sold out. They sold out every ever since he came in. But when they went into the bends, they upped the prices big time. Wow. Okay. The whole lower bowl is all corporate seating, basically. They price wow. the fans out of there. So when you're not playing very well, the, the people with the company tickets aren't showing up. Right. So the whole lower bowl is empty. So that's a mistake. You the Atlanta sports and we got other things to do. You're not gonna we're not gonna pay five hundred dollars for a freaking ticket to go watch the Falcons. <laughs> Sorry. Ugh. Especially not this Falcons. Uh, yeah, <laughs> team, so right? that's not that's not going to happen when you're playing like this. So, will they travel? No. You know, most Falcons fans in the moment you will say, "No, I don't want to lose to the Saints. I don't want to lose the Saints." Your heart takes over, and you say, "Okay, I want to win this game." If they are to lose this game, 
and it is the final kick to get Arthur Smith out, you'll get thank you notes. You'll get on their Christmas lists where Falcons fans will send you a note and say, thank you, New Orleans Saints. We don't like you, but by God, we had to get this guy out of here. If you're smart, you'll let us win this game and keep this bozo here for another year. It's so funny going around the NFC South and hearing like a the lot of exact the same. same thing yes. about every head coach. It feels like everyone's like, ah, oh, man, I want to hear I want the Panthers to blow out the Bucks because I want Todd Bowles fired. <laughs> Frank Reich already is out of there. Uh, I, I've heard from Saints fans who are like, man, I'm actually mad that the Saints are, are going to ruin their draft pick. And it makes it so you, you, can't, you can't really fire your coach if you finish nine and eight and year two. It's it's just not a situation. And obviously you're here saying the same thing about it. It's just so funny. And everyone in the NFC South is in the same boat. Um, I almost think that helps protect the coaches in the sense of it when you don't want to be looking for a head coach in a season where everyone's looking for a head coach. But I think, I think nine and eight, and you're probably safe. You're like, okay, we're yeah. showing some of the right direction. You don't feel that way because, again, you look at the schedule. Tampa Bay actually played some decent ball this year mm-hmm. until, you know, the Saints, I think. So I think Bulls will be safe. But I think the last time the Falcons and Saints played, I said the entire NFC South could have new coaches, all of them. I'm like, if you back your way into a division title at eight and nine and then get blown out in the first round of the playoffs, yeah. do you, is that headed in the right direction to you? Or is that just circumstance? Where if you were any good at all, you could have gone 13 and four and then gotten blown out in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, you could have a 13 and four team and still not be any good with this schedule. It's ridiculous. (laughs) That's called the Vikings in 2022. Uh, But all right, that's going to wrap it up here. Thanks so much. Scott Kennedy, Falcons podcast. You can check him out on YouTube at youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. And this is confusing, but you can also find him on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. Uh, he just has a lot of fun with that name. He's just changing letters and, and doing it I, all. I, right? worked, I worked for Scout.com for 15 years, so it, <laughs> it made sense. I was director of scouting at Scout.com for 15 years, and people would introduce me on the radio. So I'd like to introduce uh, Scout. Oh, Scott. Uh, Sc- Dude, just it works. Yeah, you, you'll find it. I'm not hard to find. <laughs> gotcha. Well, Scott, thanks so much. Obviously, Saints, Falcons this weekend. It's going to be... It's going to be interesting, whether it's firing coaches, winning the division, winning and losing anyway. We'll see. But thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Scott. Thanks again to Scott Kennedy for coming on. Yeah, again, like I said, I just think it's hilarious that, you know, you go around the NFC South and every single fan base is like in flames and like, man, this couldn't be worse. And then you go over there and they're like, man, this couldn't be worse. And they go over there and like, man, this couldn't be worse. And you know, you get to the Bucks in there. Like some of them are like, "Yeah, this could, this this could have been worse, but it still sucks." Um, and uh, you know what's going to be funny, and this is, has nothing to do with Falcons, is when if, if the Bucks do lose to the Panthers, do you fire Todd Bowles and cut the bigger midfield? Like, uh, the guy, all this, all this positive momentum. But you know, that's a I I, I want to see it happen just because I want to. I, I like to watch things burn. Um, yes. And that would be hilarious. You know, like the Joker walking away from the hospital, kind of like. But yeah, the Saints, Saints Falcons, it's, you know, I called last week a mid-off. This is also a mid-off. The entire NFC South has been a mid-off all season. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be, it's going to be something. Yeah. And the, the one thing though, obviously I think Saints fans will be united on the front of, they don't want to lose to freaking Atlanta, even with maybe the, the notion of maybe there's still a chance Dennis Allen could get fired. I still think, man, I'd rather beat the dirty birds. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the the I I don't think that 
Dennis Allen is getting fired regardless right. of what happens this week. I think, you know, if you had lost both of these games, then, then that conversation might be different. But the performance last week alone is going to be enough, I think, when you get to the end of the season. And But obviously it's not going to, you know, what you're, whatever leash you're going to give him next year is going to be affected by this game. And, you know, the, the argument is like, oh, if you lose, you could protect a better draft pick. Come and on, if you right? win, you know, even if you, you might still not make the playoffs and you would get a worse pick, and that's fair. But no one on the team is looking at it that way, so you know it's it's all theoretical. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's a, you you shouldn't go into that building rooting for a loss. I mean, I think that should be a rule within Saints fans. It's like I don't care what the records are, I don't care what you benefit you would get. You do not want to lose to the Falcons. You don't. You just don't. You don't hey, want to get swept you know by the Falcons. If you do want the Falcons to win the game, please stay home. I don't want you in the dome. Yeah. I mean, you should never... I don't care what the situation is. You should never be rooting for the Falcons to win a game. Amen to it's, that. It's just, you know, that's that's day one stuff. But all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about red zone stats. You know, we've gotten into it, but because this is the game, this is the like the Week 12 game was the, was the ultimate red zone failure game. I think it's worth get diving back into what's happened since then. I talked to Derek Carr about it. We heard from Dennis Allen. He gave some insight. So we're going to get into that, and we're going to pick some X factors heading into Week 18. This is potentially the last time we will pick X factors, so we'll be very sentimental about it. Uh, not really, uh, but but yeah. <laughs> this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. Good times have been had by all. We will be right back. <laughs> 